stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. As you're probably well aware, we're just a few months, well, just under three months away from a federal election. And it is going to be, obviously, a real pivotal election in terms of the direction this country goes uh, in the months and years ahead. And obviously, it's a very consequential election for one Justin Trudeau, who four years ago was a candidate of, well, I guess for lack of a better term, hope and change. But of course, that's not the case anymore. And it's not about the rhetoric and the aspiration. It's about the realities of what you've done and failed to do as prime minister. Uh, So a lot of the uh, sheen is off, as it were. Uh, That Justin Trudeau four years ago to try to embody a different kind of politics has really been guilty in a lot of ways of politics as usual. It's been the broken promises, the controversies. The Aga Khan vacation, the India trip, the SNC-Lavalin affair, the Vice Admiral Mark Norman affair, just to name a few. So it's been a rocky ride for someone who's had a fairly interesting and you could argue rapid ascent uh, to the heights of Canadian politics. Of course, someone who grew up uh, under the shadow of his father, who was also the Prime Minister of Canada. Uh, this is all explored in a fascinating new book, which is out today. It is called Trudeau. The Education of a Prime Minister. Joining us to talk about the book is its author, John Iveson, who's a veteran political columnist with the National Post. John, congrats on the book and uh, welcome to the program. Thank you. Uh, so let's talk about this, the, you know, what you were hoping people get from this book. Obviously, sitting here today, we don't know if uh, Justin Trudeau is going to go down as a one-term prime minister or if he's going to be reelected. So it's not so much a story about what's going to happen in the upcoming election, but it's really, I guess, a story about, well, well who Justin Trudeau is. Right, who who he is and how perhaps he's performed in the, over the last four years. Um, you know, I think it's a pretty mixed record. It's it's it. You know, I, su- I suggest that there has been a, a draining of enthusiasm for the Liberals, largely because of what the what the Prime Minister has done over the last four years, even in a period of relatively benign economic circumstances. I mean, unemployment's at record lows. You know, in these, against that backdrop, you would think it would be a shoo-in for, for Trudeau to get re-elected, particularly given the enthusiasm that embraced him when he got elected. But, I mean, he's made, he's made things interesting. It's, yeah. it's not uh, clear that, uh, that it's not a shoo-in by any means. And, and, you know, I guess, though, if, he's, if he has lost some of his audience, he still has time to win it back again. It does feel as though that that Justin Trudeau is is a packaged product. That he's it's more about brand and image than than who he really is. And I think that brand and image it, it appeals to to certain Canadians. Um, it, it really turns off, I think, a, a lot of other Canadians. But but is it fair to say that maybe we don't really know him as a person? Well, I think he does keep himself pretty cloistered. I mean, I don't think there are many people who really know him. Um, he's a fairly enigmatic character. There was one, John English, who, biogra- who was the biographer for his father, Pierre Elliott Trudeau, suggested that that uh, the father's uh, apparent inconsistencies and uh, contradictions were actually consistencies. Um, and I think the same is true for the son. And what I mean by that is if you look at... Uh, 
Justin. I mean, he's got it's almost paradoxical gifts. He's he's got intelligence, and people dismiss his intelligence, but I think he's at least got emotional intelligence. He's got discipline, but he's also got spontaneity and risk taking. Yeah. Um, he's got a rhino hide when it comes to criticism, that because he's been hated or fawned over his whole life. Yet at the same time, he almost has this kind of adolescent need to be adored by crowds. Um, so he's a, he's a kind of more complicated character than this one-dimensional uh, person acting as prime minister that is often portrayed by his political rivals. Yeah. Well, look, he's obviously he's Pierre's son, and uh, he'll he'll forever be known as that. And and certainly, and, and you talk about his upbringing. His upbringing shaped him in in a lot of ways. It, it seems quite clear. But as you note in the book, in a lot of ways, he is he's very different from his father. Right. I mean, I think he attrib- he himself attributes his. Uh, calling for politics to his grandfather, Jimmy Sinclair, who was a cabinet minister in the Saint Laurent government in the 50s, um, and who, by all accounts, was a was a good retail politician. Um, that seems to be where that comes from in Justin, rather than his father, who, you know, I mean, I think one of his aides said he was as, as closed as an oyster. Um, so there are... In many ways, this is this is a, the product of both sides of his family, not just just his father. Um, but it was interesting to me <clears throat> comparing Justin, for example, with Michael Ignatieff, who was one of his predecessors as leader, and I don't think was a natural politician by any means. And he talked about feeling hollow when he looked in the mirror um, and warned that. Um, the sense of hollowness was the the divide between the, the face that you present to the world and the face you reserve for the mirror. And he said it's a, a sign of sound mental health that you can recognise the two, and it's when you no longer notice the, that the public self has taken over that the trouble starts, and you've surrendered your life to politics. Justin expresses no such doubts. I mean, he believes that uh, he found his calling in public service through politics, and you know, one close advisor said that. He doesn't have an onstage light that, that he flicks on. He, he lives his whole life on stage. Um, so whether, I mean, I guess we could take from that that, that it's not a sign of sound mental health because he has no uh, offstage persona. But um, but I thought it was an interesting reflection that politics really wasn't for Michael Ignatieff, and it clearly is for Justin Trudeau. There's a perception that Justin was, was raised to do this, that he was groomed to do this, that this was all inevitable, but it doesn't seem like that's the case. It was not inevitable that he was even going to get into politics. It was not inevitable that he was going to run for liberal leader. And obviously, winning the 2015 what wasn't uh, the election wasn't inevitable either, yet all of those things happened. Right. I mean, if you look at the history, he tried to do almost everything else other than politics. You know, there's almost a, a kind of tractor beam pulling him towards the Liberal Party, and he resisted it on numerous occasions. I mean, he was he, they were, he was at the 20, uh, 2006 leadership convention, which was won by Stéphane Dion. He was supporting Gerard Kennedy. That was the first time he'd really got involved in politics, and there were many people at that point who were trying to, to lure him in to run it in, the, in the election that followed, and he did not. Uh, you know, even in 2008... Uh, he got elected in 2008, but then he resisted the urge to run for leader when Ignatieff eventually took, became the leader. Even in uh, even after Ignatieff's defeat in 2011, he was not wholly convinced that this was for him. Um, at that point, it, it, it was Gerald Butts who convinced him not to, to quit, because I think there was a temptation that he thought the Liberal Party was 
was too far gone to be to be rescued. So yeah, none of this was inevitable. You know, and clearly, 2015, you know, they were the, they were the third place party, and they were still in third place at this time going into an election. So, so none of it was predestined. Um, I think that at the back of his mind, he always knew he was going to get into politics, and he was always going to try to run for leader if he did. But, you know, it was only, I think, but because of lack of alternatives. I mean, he tried a bunch of other things, and none of them really stuck to him. So, so this seemed to be his natural calling, and eventually it, it uh, came to the fore. Has he been underestimated, do you think? I think he's perennially underestimated. Um, you know, I mean, I talked to Patrick Brozeau, who who uh, lost the boxing match right. to him, and he admitted he underestimated him. Um, uh, when I'm thinking back to the 2015 election, I don't think Harper underestimated him. If you remember, the, the Conservatives came out with a bunch of attack ads against Trudeau. He's just not ready. No. And he didn't come out with a similar set of ads against uh, against um, Tom Mulcair, who was the NDP leader at the time, because Harper had identified that Trudeau was the real threat. Um, so I guess... You know, Harper at that point had, did not underestimate him. But I think quite often uh, he's, his opponents see him as, as, as dumb. He's just an actor. Um, you know, I think that he's, he's certainly guilty of naivety, but I don't think he's stupid. And I think he possesses an emotional intelligence, which is absolutely essential for, for, uh, for politicians. So, you know, I mean, I guess when his political opponents who, who just dismiss and despise him and all his works, that is underestimating him because he, on his day, is a formidable politician. And I think in this campaign, we will see him reclaim some of the form that, that got him elected in the first place. But of course, the, the aspirational rhetoric of 2015, it, it's not possible to be that candidate when you're the incumbent, when you've got a, a record to run on, when you've had to deal with the harsh realities of government. Yeah. It's, it's going to have to be a very different campaign, a very different Justin Trudeau. Well, I think that you've, you've kind of got to the nub of it there. Like, you know, as Obama found out as he approached his second term, once you've, you can create a movement, a political movement, um, but when you're in government, you are definitely a, a party, and it's that sort of enthusiasm that goes with a movement um, begins to wane because inevitably decisions that you make go against some of those potential supporters. And I think and in this case, I'm thinking particularly of electoral reform, which got a lot of people out to the younger voters out to the, uh, the polling stations last time. So, you know, they're going to have to come up with something pretty special, and I don't know what it is yet. I've been asking that question. How are you going to excite voters who have been drained of enthusiasm by, the, by government over the last four years? It's not clear to me that they can, they can do that easily, but I think that uh, you know, he has the advantage of being an excellent campaigner up against his closest challengers who are both rookies. So you know, he has some advantages, but I think the major disadvantage is, that, is the one that you just highlighted. Well, and the book goes through his his time in office, where there have been some successes, obviously, but there have been a lot of a lot of missteps and a lot of controversies, and I think that that's really tarnished the brand. Uh, certainly, the India trip stands out, and and you know the book kind of breaks some news on the, on that front, I suppose. The SNC Lavalin affair more recently. What what to you stands out as is maybe most damaging to the Trudeau brand? Well, I think the India trip comes to mind because I think the knock on Trudeau always is this lightweight tag you know he's just not ready uh you know i'm not i'm not so clear that that 
just not ready campaign wouldn't wouldn't work this time around. I mean, I think that that there are still a lot of doubts about his suitability for the job. That India played right into them, you know, foibles and idiosyncrasies that people previously found amusing were suddenly people were raising their eyebrows because, you know, it's one thing for him to embarrass himself, that's his prerogative, but when you're embarrassing the country, which I think he did in that trip, then people look askance at that. So I think that the 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 lightweight tag is going to hurt him. But SNC is another, uh, creates more problems because uh, he made these promises that he was going to do politics differently, and yet SNC suggested... He was doing politics exactly the same way as most of his predecessors, i.e., here's a minister who's doing something that we would rather she didn't do, or she's not doing something we would like her to do, and therefore we're going to demote her. Now, I could see a Cretchen or a Harper doing that, but he promised he would be better, and, and, and in many ways he wasn't. Uh, you know, as you say, he, he tried to be an Obama-like figure. Uh, obviously, U.S. politics has, has taken a much different turn since Justin Trudeau became prime minister. I, I think at times he has used that to his advantage to, to show a contrast between the, the current U.S. president. But obviously, dealing with Trump has complicated things for him as prime minister. Probably would have had, had Stephen Harper or the conservatives won the last election. Uh, how much has, has what's been happening in the U.S. impacted this, this term for the liberals? I mean, hugely, hugely, if, if from no other point of view than it occupied the minds of the best minds in the Prime Minister's office for much of the, and, and in the Global Affairs Department for, you know, more than two years. Um, you know, the greatest commodity in, in Ottawa is, is not so much money, it's time. And this really um, derailed the agenda to some extent. And I think that that's, uh, you know, I give him credit on the on the U.S. trade file. It was an extremely difficult one trying to strike a trade deal with a with an avowed protectionist. Mm-hmm. And I think at the end of the day, we came out not unscathed. And it certainly wasn't what he claimed at the time a great day for Canada when the deal was struck. But we emerged more or less whole, and it could have been very different than that. And and you know, in many ways, that goes down to the to the professional negotiators who managed to get some of the more egregious demands off the table. But, um, yeah, the U.S., there was an agenda that the government went into, into the, or entered government with. Um, and I think that they were such, it was almost a, an ideological crusade, this, this identity politics crusade. And they haven't been able to do a lot of it because a lot of time was taken up on, on dealing with Trump and the trade situation. So, so yeah, I, I think that that should not be underestimated. I think that the other thing is that it proved one of the weaknesses of this government that they were uh, they were not great at reacting to events. I mean, I think in, in some ways on the on the Trump file they, they did okay, and particularly Trudeau's relationship with Trump, which was essentially a subservient one. But they they were it, it derailed an agenda that they they continued to try to drive through when I think they should have there was so much going on that they should probably have ditched a couple of their their commitments and said we'll come back to them later. And just in closing, John, I mean, certainly he's been consequential as a prime minister, even if he is just a, a one-term prime minister. But I think so much of his legacy hinges on what happens in this election. And as much as maybe they want it to be about Andrew Scheer or Donald Trump, I mean, it feels as though this is kind of a referendum on, on Justin Trudeau, isn't it? 
I don't think it will prove to be that. I mean, I, I think the temptation is there right now to think that um, because people are looking at Trudeau. But I think, you know, come the, come the, the closing days of the election, people are going to be looking at the alternatives. And if they don't f- feel that they're inspiring, then and, – and the Liberals will be doing their utmost to uh, ensure that that is the case. I mean, the, the, the Scare the Dippers campaign has worked many, many times, and I suspect there's no great loyalty to Jagmeet Singh that a, a bunch of progressive voters will come into the Liberal fold uh, despite what they're saying now. I mean, I do think that, that um, the, there is a, an enthusiasm, a th- enthusiasm gap for Trudeau, but there's also an enthusiasm gap for Sheer and for Singh. Uh, maybe less so for Elizabeth May right now. She may be the wild card, but I think that her reach is probably limited geographically to Vancouver Island and maybe some some spots in Prince Edward Island and Guelph and places like that. But but I think um, you know, frankly, if I was having to put money on it right now, I would suggest the progressive vote will will come home to the Liberals because this has been a government that has pretty relentlessly wooed left of centre voters from day one. And they may be upset with about over electoral reform or over pipelines, but but they've got a lot to be happy about. Well, the book is a great primer for this campaign, a fascinating look at the last decade in Canadian politics. It is called Trudeau, the Education of a Prime Minister. John Iveson, thanks so much for joining us here today. Really appreciate this. Thanks, Rob. There you go. That is John Iveson, a political affairs columnist for the National Post and author of the new book out today, Trudeau, the Education of a Prime Minister. Our number here, 403-974-8255. Back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.